I try to um, be prayerful and uh, hear the voice of God every time I stand. And um, I asked the Lord for a word to share on tonight. Um, he took me to a place um, I've not been before. And uh, I want you to go there with me. I want your prayers and your participation tonight. I want to talk about defected devotion. Second Chronicles chapter 16. I want to lift verses 7 through 9, but um, I'll be lifting some things throughout the course of that entire chapter. Second Chronicles chapter 16, uh, verses 7 through 9, and I'll lift as well verse 12. And at that time, Hananiah the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped from your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Labim not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Verse 12 says, And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet, and his malady was severe. Yet in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but the physicians. Francis Schaeffer, in his book, How Then Should We Live?, makes a, a profound statement, a quote that I want to use to lead off into our time together. He says that if there are no absolutes in society... He says, then society itself is the absolute. If there is validity to that statement, and I believe it is, it would suggest to us that you and I are living in some very difficult and challenging times. There has been, whether we take note of it or not, over these last few years in particular, an exodus, if you will, of people who once professed a hope of faith in Christ to the point that there has been a great deal of concern as it relates to the future of the church. And while we know, we know uh, the church is God's and Christ has died for it and that it is in secure hands, I would suggest to you tonight that all of us need to be considerate of the fact that many people who once placed faith in Christ, once sat in seats like you're sitting in tonight, have now gotten to the point where they suggest they do not believe what they once professed. There are even people who have done what uh, they call de-baptisms, where they have denounced baptism they once took as an outward profession of what they said was an inward change. When, when I thought about 
what to talk about tonight, several words came to mind as it relates to what I saw in this text. But the word defected really resonated with me. And, and as I looked up synonyms for, for the word defected, one of those synonyms was the word apostasy. And that is what we're seeing in our churches today, an apostasy. People leaving the church and now finding other things they'd rather do. Let me lift this text tonight, lest you and I find ourselves in that same situation. Paul told us there would be a falling away. He told us that there would come a time when people would have itching ears, that they would love to hear what they wanted to hear and what soothed their ears. And there would be a time when people would reject sound doctrine. I would suggest we're in that day right now. And I believe you and I need to encourage ourselves and encourage one another to remain faithful, as Jude would say, to contend for the faith. Second Chronicles chapter 16 is a wonderful read. I was spending some time in devotional reading and, and I want to encourage you if, you if you have some time to make some time to read through the book of Second Chronicles. What you're going to see is that there were a great deal of spiritual leaders who found themselves once faithful, but at some point many of them found themselves moving away from the faith they were supposed to be leading their people in. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, Asa is king of Judah. And in being king of Judah, uh, his responsibility is to lead God's people in remaining devoted to God. You will see some interesting things happen in the life of Asa. But in chapter 16, some terrible and tragic things happen. And I wanted to lift chapter 16, and if you'll help me, I believe we can all get a little something out of it. In chapter 16, uh, we're going to see King Asa move away from the very thing he professed he believed in. If you read this chapter, you're going to see a great deal of things, and I would suggest to you we see King Asa's defected devotion in several ways. One of the ways you see it uh, I would suggest to you is in his decisions. If you read the beginning uh, of chapter 16, you're, you're going to discover that uh, he finds himself in, 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 a, in, a, in a mix. He finds himself in a difficult place because uh, the king uh, of Israel has, has set up a blockade into Judah where he is not allowing people to come in economically, Politically, this, this is tragic. This, this is a, a detriment to them. He sees this king uh, using his resources to stop the blessings flow into Judah. And, and he takes upon himself, he takes upon himself to reach out to the king of Syria and ask him to make an alliance with him so that he could have the protection he needed so that he could stop this particular blockade. 
Now, I want to say to you, if you read these verses, you're going to see two things. One thing you're going to see is what I want to call his robbery. And when you see his robbery, what he does is in those first few verses, he takes the treasure that belongs in the house of God and he gives it to someone he wants to build a worldly alliance with. In other words, he takes all the silver, all the gold, all these wonderful things that have been consecrated and dedicated in the house of God. He takes them out of the house. He robs God, rightly belongs to him, and he gives him, gives it to his alliance so that he can feel that he will be protected from the enemy. Not only do you see his robbery, but you also see his loyalty. He calls on this king and says to him in former days, your father and my father had an alliance. And let's start the alliance back up. Let, let's, let's, let's be loyal to one another. I, I do not want tonight um, to rain down on anyone's parade, but I want to I encourage you, be careful about building your life around worldly alliances. Be careful about um, bragging about and putting all your stock in who and what you are connected with in the world. John told us, love not the world, neither the things of the world. The Bible lets us know the world is passing away, but the word of God will stand forever. I have no problem with you uh, supporting your sorority or your fraternity, but don't place your sorority or your fraternity above your commitment to God. Don't place your social circles and and even your alumni, brothers and sisters, don't elevate that to a place where that becomes more important to you than your commitment to your love for the living God. It mattered more to him that he was aligned, associated, affiliated with the who's who in the world than to stay committed to the God who had been so faithful to him. I, I, I believe tonight, if, if he really knew how good God had really been to him, he might have changed his mind. Can I say this? Can I say this? King Asa served as king around 41 years. 36 of those years were years of peace. In other words, almost 90 of his reign as king he never had to worry about wars. And sometimes, listen, sometimes we can become so comfortable in our peace and prosperity that we forget the one that provided it for us. Can I say this? Can I say this? What the Lord allowed me to see and to know for, is, is for a certainty is this. Every time you see a problem, it is just illumination of what could have happened far long ago. And in other words, the problem you face today could have happened a long time ago. But the God we serve has a way of protecting us. 
and keeping us. And sometimes we don't even know all the trouble that's going on over us and around us. Okay, Ephesians 6 said that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against the powers of darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You don't know how many times the devil wanted to destroy your house. You don't know how many, t- how many times he wanted to attack your family. But God had a protecting hand watching over you. And you, you did not see it, but God's hand was watching over you. That, that's, what, that's what Satan said when, when God was talking to him and Satan wanted to direct somebody's life. And, and God says, have you considered my servant Job? And, and Satan said, I have considered him, but you placed a hedge about him. You have a hedge around him. And somebody here needs to know that the thing that didn't happen didn't happen because God didn't let it happen. And every problem is just allowing you to know it could have been worse a long time ago. So I need to celebrate every day of peace, every day of prosperity, because it could have been another way. He's so caught up and concerned about a visible enemy. He cannot see and celebrate the invisible hand of God that has been watching over him and protecting him all of his days. In, in, his, book, in his book, Not a Fan, Kyle Eidemann makes, makes this statement. He talks about what he calls uh, defining the relationship. He says there are times, there are times, that our Christian journey, we have moments that define the relationship. Um, like like a, a male and a female dating, and, and you get to a certain point where you have to decide where we're going from here. We've uh, done this long enough. We've dated long enough. We've held hands long enough. We've been to the movies long What are we going to do from here? And believers face the same kind of challenge because God will put you in a position where you will have to decide, am I going to trust him? Am I going to walk with him? Am I going to believe him? See, every challenge has a choice. And you decide whether or not in that challenge, I'm going to trust God to walk with me through this challenge. Here's what, here's what he says. He says, he says we, have, we have to raise this question. Is, is, is Jesus the only one or one of many? In other words, I have to ask myself, am I just serving Jesus alone? Or is Jesus just one of the choices of the gods I'm serving in my life? He raises, he raises several questions. One of them is, that when you're hurting, where do you go for comfort? He raised his questions like, for what do you sacrifice your money for? Raised his questions like, what disappoints you or frustrates you the most? And then he raised this other question, which I really like, what is it that really gets you excited? There come this point in your life, you got to decide how valuable God really is to you. 
You you, got to decide, is he just a side piece or is he the main entree? Am Am I going to love him occasionally or am I going to, like Matthew 22, 37 through 40 tells us, am I going to love him with all my heart? All my mind, all my soul, all of my strength, am I going to give God my best because he's always given me his best. He makes decisions that show us his devotion has defected. I'm going to move along. I want to ask you tonight, when you look at the choices you make, Look at your checkbooks. Look at, look at the time commitments you've made. The places you go, the things you do. What says your life God really matters? I want to move on to the next thing. And the next thing I want to show you in this text is that not only do we see his defected devotion in his decision, but it also seen in his dependence. In verses 7 through 9, verses 7 through 9, Hananiah, the seer or the prophet, comes to him and, and, and says to him that God had been faithful to King Asa. He says to him, he says to him, you have allowed yourself to shift your devotion. He says, he says, rather than relying on God, you have allowed yourself to become dependent on the king of Syria. And and he goes back, it goes back. I like it, y'all. I like it, y'all. He goes back because in chapter 14, King Asa faced a, a really Uh, important period. He had enemies coming against him. And the reality is there was no way he could defeat them. But he looked up to God and he said, God, this is your battle. He says, God, all we have is you, God. We're relying on you, God. We're depending on you. And the only way we can defeat this enemy, God, is if you allow it to happen. I like it because he recognizes when you are on God's side, the battle is not yours. It belongs to God. And I wish I could talk to somebody tonight. When you put your life, when you put your children, when you put your finances in God's hand, you realize your battles are not really your battles. They are God's battle. And I like it. I liked it. I liked it because the God I serve has the way when we put our trust in him to come in and help us and do things for us that will literally blow our minds. I like, I like the names of God. I like all the names of God, but then in particular, um, that, that when it comes to battle really resonates me, with me. And that is, that is the name of the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Uh, uh, when, when we call him the Lord of hosts, what that, what that really means is that when we're allowing God to fight our battles, God is so powerful and so resourceful, God can take resources 
in heaven, under heaven. He can take anything and use it on his behalf to help his children win their battle. Y'all aren't hearing what I'm saying tonight. God can take anything in heaven. He can take an angel and unbeknownst to you, he can fight a battle on your behalf. God can take anything in heaven and under heaven and win the battle for you because he is the Lord of hosts. And I wish you could hear me tonight. That's why the psalmist declared, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. I came to tell somebody, let him have his way because he is the Lord of all. That's why he can make your enemies become your footstool. That's why he can make the person trying to dig a ditch for you end up being a blessing to you because he is the Lord of hosts. And I wish I could talk to somebody tonight that has become dependent on where you work. You become dependent on people you're in, in relationship with. And I came to tell you tonight, lift your eyes up to heaven and learn how to depend on God. Can I give you this? Can I give you this? Reliance, the word reliance or relied or rely it is used actually about five times in the book of Second Chronicles. And the point I believe the chronicler is making is that you and I have to know where our faith lies. As a matter of fact, the same word used in this text for relied it's the same word used in Proverbs 3 and 5, which says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Rely not, depend not on thine own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. That's, that's, that's the God. That's the God. God, I serve. And I came to tell somebody tonight, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand all other ground is sinking sand. I need you to know everything else and everyone else. Sooner or later, at their best, they will fall out. They will give up. They will get tired of you. But the God I serve, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask. He, he looks for those who will trust in him. He looks for opportunities to bless those who put their faith and their cut. That's what that's what that's what the seer, that's what Hananiah told the king. He said, God is looking for somebody. He said, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for somebody who will just place faith in him, and God looks for an opportunity to open up a door. God looks for an opportunity to make a way. God looks for an opportunity to help you walk through a valley. God looks for an opportunity to help you climb up a mountain because you have placed your faith in him. That's, 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 why, that's why the Hebrew writer told us, Without faith, 
it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That, 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 was, that was this, this uh, performing artist. And, and, and what he did, he, he, had, he had this act where he would, he would take uh, different things and he would walk a little straight line across from one destination. He'd walk uh, high place to another. He'd walk across on a very thin line. And, and he got to a point where in his act, he would walk over holding a wheelbarrow. And he'd walk over and go to the other side. And that was one particular promoter who kept wanting him to do the act for him. And, and he said to the promoter, do you, do you really believe I can do this? He kept saying yes. And he said to him, if you believe I can do it, get in the wheelbarrow. <laughs> I came to talk to somebody tonight. God told me to ask you, do you really believe it? You, you, you say, you say he can open doors no man can shut. You say he can close doors, no man can open. You, you say he can move mountains. You say he can speak to things and get them out of your way. And God says, get in the wheelbarrow. Yeah. God says, trust me and I will show you great and mighty things you know not of. Yeah. I like this text, y'all. Because it says to us, you and I need to know what we depend on. I, I, know, I know somebody's name is on the check, but you need to know where it really came from. Yes, yes. The earth is the lost. Yes. The fullness thereof. Yes. The world and the, y'all, 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 listen, listen, listen. You, you don't really know what your source is until your resource runs out. You, 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 don't, you don't really know how, how, how much God has available for you. Let, let them stop your check this week. But, but heaven's supply is still open. God knows how to keep the pantry full. God knows how to keep the lights on. God, God knows how to keep gas in the car. As a matter of fact, God does it in such a way you're, you're amazed that he could do it because it looks like you still have what you didn't have because God is able to do things no one else can. His devotion became defective. Evident in his decisions. Evident in his dependence. But lastly, I want to say a word to you about his disease. Verse, verse 12, verse 12 says to us, and the amazing thing about, about this text is that even when confronted by the prophet, Asus to repent. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, he refused to repent. He threw the preacher in prison and he oppressed the people. Because I guess he believed if he could just, just get out of earshot of what the preacher was saying, he wouldn't have to deal with it. But what he didn't know was that while he could put the preacher in prison, the word was still alive. And God's word will not return unto him void. 
but it will accomplish what it was sent out to do. Verse 12 says to us that in this text, it says, he became diseased in his feet. Some suggest it might have been gout. Others have suggested it probably was gangrene, but he was diseased in his feet until he ultimately died. I need, I need to talk to just a few people tonight as I leave you. We've got, we've got some diseases, y'all. And I'm not, I'm not talking about another strand of COVID. I'm not talking about flu. But, 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 but y'all, we have some stuff that's killing us. We, we are living in a world that in every avenue, every way possible, tries to create in us the capacity to be what it wants us to be. Every commercial, they're planting a seed. And they're planting a seed in your mind where you become more comfortable with the culture that you and I are living in. We're living with some some terrible, terrible diseases. Some of them look like consumerism. I got to have. It's not enough that I already have. I got I to gotta buy more. I, I, I've, got, I've got enough dresses in one color. But I've got to get some in another color. I, I've got enough shoes in this style, but I've got to get some in, in another style. And, and the world creates in us and pats us on the back and makes us feel comfortable with consuming all of the world's goods. Some of it is instant gratification. A whole lot of us don't know how to wait. And so even when we need to wait, even even when it's not wise to do what you're doing, instant gratification says, I got to have it now. I I, I told told our church the other day, uh, Burger King uh, now... Um, has that, that um, have it your way uh, commercial. And at the end of the commercial, it says you rule. And it makes you believe that you are the king or queen on the throne and whatever you want, just have it your way. When in reality, if we are God's children, we are not kings and queens on the throne. We are disciples of the living God called to give up our lives so that we can serve him. Christ gave up his life so that you and I could give up our lives and that's what he is looking for. John Philip, John Philip, in a Philip's translation uh, of Romans 12, 1, 1 2, makes, makes it so plain and, and, and I hope you get this. Uh, where King James is translated and be not conformed to this world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your minds. Here's what, here's what he says. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. In other words, in other words, 
The world is trying to take your mind like Play-Doh and mold it and shape it to where things you once said you wouldn't do, now you will do. Things you once said you won't allow, now you will allow. Places you said you wouldn't go, now you're going there and they have to make you go home. It, it, is, it, is, it is a point where the world is, is shaping us into just what it wants us to be. And we find ourselves having a form of godliness, but denying the very power thereof. I'm done. I'm through. But I just would like to think about in my mind what could have happened had Asa just said, God, I messed this thing up. If, if he'd have just, if he'd have just thought it is mine, how gracious and, and how good God had been to him. And, and, I, and if I had time, I would really talk to y'all and tell y'all that it didn't start with Asa. Um, um, Solomon allowed himself to get caught up in the world. All God told him was just stay devoted to me and I'll keep uh, uh, the family of David on the throne. Just stay committed to me. Love me like I deserve to be loved. And Solomon, the Bible said, got his heart caught up and started loving foreign women and loving foreign gods. And then his son, Rehoboam, he ends up not being wise and doing ungodly things. Then Abijah comes in and tries to do all these good things. Then Asa starts out good and he tears down all of these altars and begins to put reform in. But here's what happened. Chapters changed. And I'm going to my seat. But some of y'all are in here tonight. But I want to I want to ask you a question. What's going to happen? The chapters change. See, see, in chapters 14 and 15, he was loving God. He was devoted to God. He had peace with God. He had prosperity with God. But God allowed chapter 16 to come in. And I do want to tell you tonight that the same God that took care of him in chapters 14 and 15 was still on the throne in chapter 16. God is an ever-present help even when you don't see the help. God is a help in times of trouble even when you don't own all the trouble that you're in. God was with him in chapters 14 and 15, but when trouble came in chapter 16, he diverted his devotion to somebody else and left the God who had been faithful to him all his life. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'm in. I'm in. I'm staying in. I'm like Peter. Lord, if all of the rest of them leave you, God, I'm going to stay right there with you. I'm going to be right there. But, but, but let God disrupt your finances. Let God disrupt relationship in your life. Let God allow your house to experience some challenges it has never experienced before. And then I want to ask you, are you yet devoted to God? Because God wants to know that you can trust him 
in the sunshine and in the rain. Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trials and tribulations. But Jesus said, don't lose your mind. Don't give up hope. Be of good cheer. He says, I've already overcome the world. And I just believe if Christ can die on a Friday and conquer death, hell, and grave and get out of the grave early third day morning, I don't believe there's anything I'm going to go through that he cannot get me through. Because when he got up, he declared all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. And that power is present tonight. And God can take your life and make your life a living example, a living epistle of what trusting in God looks like if you will only allow him to. Is your devotion being defective? God bless you and keep.